Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him on a life-transforming journey. And now, here's Pastor Lorian to introduce today's sermon. Welcome, and God bless you on this Lord's Day as we center our hearts on His Word. We are studying Matthew 25, beginning with verse 23. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. Now, in your heart, what would you want to hear Jesus say to you? For we understand that we should serve the Lord not for what we will get in return, but for us loving Him. But even so, the Lord has prepared rewards which actually show his affection and his love it shows how much he knows you and what you've been through through your failures your recovery your faithfulness the lord knows and here are a few of the rewards you've heard about the different crowns there's crowns that we will lay at the lord's feet and that is the joy of us saying lord you've given us we deserve none of it lord i'll give you right back what belongs to you and the question is not what crowns you will receive but what crowns will you have to give back to jesus bible talks about five different crowns first one is what we call the imperishable crown. And that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Do you understand that challenge? The way you live your Christian life is not that you would barely make it into the, in the threshold beyond the door of heaven. Oh, I made it. Lordy, how come? You've got to run. You've got to live your Christian life, not to just get in, but to obtain the prize. What is it? Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They're careful in what they eat, careful in what they drink, careful in, in running and walking and, and being disciplined because they're running to obtain the prize. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable wreath or imperishable crown. This is the imperishable crown. It's the first one we see in scriptures. All things on this earth, they, they decay. They're subject to, to, to decay and, and they will perish. However, this crown, as Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 4, that we will receive an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. This crown is given to those that persevere to the end. All God's children... In their weakness, and yet their love. In their faithfulness, no matter what, they will receive this imperishable crown. There's another crown, we call this the crown of rejoicing, or the crown of joy. Who will get this? 
Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2.9, For what is our hope or joy in this ministry? All these things that we're carrying through and we're driving through, what's our hope and joy or crown of rejoicing? What is our crown of rejoicing? And then he gives it an answer. Is it not you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? He says, listen, even here and now, The people that are following Christ because of our testimony, you are my crown of rejoicing. That's why John says, whenever I hear my children walk in truth, that gives me great joy. For we suffer when people that we love and walk with, they fall and and they falter because we want to lift them up. And he says, listen, you, so the people's lives that you're touching right now, they become your crown of rejoicing. Much more even than that, in Revelation 21, 4, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes when we get to heaven, and death will be no more, neither shall there be mourning, no crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away, and it will be a lifetime eternity of joy. Not useless, but with purpose for what the Lord had accomplished, for what the Lord has done in our lives and the lives of the people that we've touched. There's a crown of rejoicing. And then there's the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness we read in 2 Timothy 4.8. Henceforth, Paul says, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. He knows that is being Prepared and held up for him, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to whom? To all who have loved his appearing. It is for the lives of the people that recognize Jesus is coming back. And John says, listen, if you have this hope that he is coming back, chapter 3 of 1 John, if you got this hope that he's coming back and we will be like him because we will see him as he is, because of that, we will continually purify our lives in the here and now. So we love his return. We don't cower or fear thinking, oh, I haven't done enough. No, Lord, I'm going to do more today than I did yesterday because I love you, because you're coming back. Those that live with that anticipation... Yes, we don't know the day or the hour, but let's not throw out the baby with the baby water. Get excited that Jesus is coming back. Hope that He's coming back soon. Be prepared for His coming back soon. For the Lord will have this crown of righteousness for those who love His appearing. Yes, through all the enduring discouragements, persecutions, and suffering in our lives, or even death, we know that we receive a reward with Christ in eternity. Paul says in Philippians 3.20, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This crown is not for those that live up to their own level of righteousness, or your own good works. This attitude... Breeds only arrogant people, prideful people, not a longing and fervent desire to be with the Lord. The crown of righteousness are for those that entrust their lives that the Lord's sacrifice and the Lord's life changes theirs. And everything we are and everything we do, like Paul says, his work and his grace has not been without work in my life or benefit. I am what I am because of Christ. 
And so I live in him and through him, the crown of righteousness. And there's a crown of glory. Peter says, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This glory, this word is the ever present nature and holiness of God. This is given to God's servants, pastors, elders, deacons, those that entrust their lives in serving Him no matter what. And we saw Stephen, while he's being stoned to death, he can see the heavens open and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing waiting for His entrance. Paul says, I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The crown of glory for those that dedicate their hearts in serving the Lord. Available to everyone that says, my life belongs to you. I will serve you. And the last, the fifth crown, the crown of life. Jesus talks about giving the crown of life in Revelation chapter 2 verse 10. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested for 10 days. You will have tribulation. Be faithful to the end, and I will give you the crown of life. This crown is for those that endure suffering on behalf of the Lord. Bravely confront the persecution for Jesus, even to the point of death. Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and they may have it abundantly even in times of tribulation and persecution. Just as things such as air, food, water are vital for our physical lives, Jesus provides for us what we need more than anything else, which is His life coming from His Word. As we feed on it, trust it, follow it, receive it as living water. And Jesus says, and this is the promise that He promised us eternal life. This is the crown of life. James clarifies it a bit further, saying, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love Him. Loving Him not just with words, but with our lives. Willing and following Him to the point of giving up our life. This is the faithfulness. This is the rewards. But sadly, there's the reckoning. Something we don't hear about much these days. Not from friends, not even churches. And this is where the Lord pours out His fury over the man that was living a fake life, a religious life. Verse 24. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. But now, even you reading this text at home, and you knowing Jesus, and knowing how Jesus healed, and fed, and loved, and listened, and comforted. Would you, would you be able to take this description and place it upon Jesus' life? Hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. Is this the Jesus you knew? 
on his whole life? Never. But this is what this man says. And he says, listen, I, I, I hid your talent. Go ahead. Take what belongs to you. In other words, I don't need it. I don't want it. Never ask for it. Why are you putting this upon me? But his masters answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. Now, the way that he presents this, before I even go further, because I cannot hold it without explaining it. The idea is, he's trying to say, if you believed I was this kind of a man, you knew, you thought so, or if you thought so, he is not saying I am that master. Right? If you thought so, that I reap where I did not sow, or gather where I scattered no seed, you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and in my coming I should receive what was my own with interest. And here's the reckoning, here's the judgment. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has had ten talents. For everyone who has will be given, will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Why is God condemning him? He preserved what it was given to him. He did not waste it. He didn't lose it. You would say he was a good religious person. He kept what was given. Why is God condemning him? Well, Jesus makes it very clear. We see the offense. Three different things he did or did not do in what he said and did not do that cry out as a warning. First of all, clearly he says you're wicked and you're slothful. The word here in the original of slothful means lazy, shrinking back or hesitating. Not now, not me, not today, maybe tomorrow. Choose somebody else. He calls them wicked, and he calls them slothful. For the praises and the commendation and and, and the joy he had with the other two servants. Well done, good and faithful servant. Two things, good and faithful. He tells this guy, "You're, you're, you're slothful and you're wicked. He was wicked because he went about doing exactly what he wanted to do. Remember, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. This guy said, okay, you're blessed to have me within your church, so I'm going to do things my own way. Oh, the Lord loves a broken and contrite heart, but the prideful and the arrogant, there's only judgment and fury for that. He did only what he wanted to do. He spent his time and his energy on his own thing and only gave God the leftovers. Remember, faithfulness, is seen by God's keen eye into our hearts, proven by our fruits. So this man, no matter what he said, because he said a lot, meant nothing to the Lord. To him, he was wicked and slothful. He transgressed God's command and will. Take these talents and put them, put them to use. He was wicked. He was, he was slothful because he did not, he didn't do anything with God's gift. He buried it and he hid it. Second, he was deceptive. He was deceptive at most, inconsistent at best. 
He was double-minded. He was self-contradictory because when you don't have a real reason, you got lots of reasons, right? When you don't want to go somewhere or do something, you got a lot of reasons. You hope that one of them will hit the wall and stick. Not in this case, no matter what he said, God saw right through his heart. If he really believed the Lord was harsh and stern, he would at least would have labored and worked his fingers to the bone, or at least would have given it to the investors and come back with interest. All he did was try to justify his behavior. Thirdly, he was unprofitable because he failed to use his gift. It's sins of omission, sins of commission. It's the attitude of the heart. When we sit back and let others step up, he failed to use his gift. Jesus was very direct with him. He told him he should have used the gift. He was without excuse. All right, so what's the judgment? That's the offense. What does the master do? What does Jesus say that will happen on that last day? The Lord Jesus pronounces twofold judgment upon him, one worse than the other. First of all, he's stripped of all that he had. All that he had was taken from him. His responsibility foremost to be included and invited to work alongside with the Lord. And we remember, we remember that as children, right? Mom and dad told you to wash the dishes or clean the garage. And you go and you kind of do it, kind of not do it, kind of waste your time, kind of get on the phone, whatever it may be. And your parents found out you're not doing anything. You, they would say, you know what? Go, I'll do it myself. But no, mom, let me help. Let me finish. The idea, the Lord says, you're done for eternity. All this responsibility taken away from you. And given to the most faithful. Why he gave it to the one with ten and not the one with five, we really don't know. Maybe the one with ten was more capable of handling another talent. Because he took care of five, we don't know. It's all according to ability, but it's the Lord to choose. But there's no sadness or, or loss for the one that had two and got five. He was faithful in what he was given. And secondly, the unprofitable servant was cast into outer darkness. What is that? Away from the Lord's presence, banished forever, no parole, no second chance. We live today by God's grace and third chances, seventh chances. And the Lord says, as long as it is said today, repent And we can come to the Lord, but there's a time when God draws the line, when this life ends and eternity begins, there is no second chances. He sent out of the Lord's presence where there's no joy, nothing but outer darkness and the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. We see this in Revelation 21 verse 8, even though the Lord Jesus preached more about hell than he did about heaven throughout his lifetime. In Revelation 21, 7 says, For as the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. No second chance except pain and darkness and suffering. Imagine, as we mentioned earlier, when we die, you either will be with the Lord and you will be in judgment, but all will have a perfect eternal body, which will feel perfectly the loss. A perfect body that will feel pain in a perfect way. You wonder why did the Lord Jesus die? He died to save us. From that judgment, 
cowardly, faithless, detestable, murderers, sorcerers, sexually immoral, idolaters, their portion in this lake of fire. What's this lake of fire? Revelation 20:13 says, And the sea gave up their dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up their dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. So as children of God will be judged for their life after they were saved, those that rejected God will be judged for their life and wickedness and rejection of God all that they did for there will be different levels of suffering in that eternal lake of fire and it's not just death and Hades because then it says that death and Hades they were thrown in the lake of fire going from bad to worse this fire that will burn for eternity but it's clear that the Hades lake of fire they were not meant for people they were meant for Satan and his angels. But those that reject God have no other place to go except that in that eternal place of suffering. There's two great errors in the thinking of today's world. Many people think that God is hard and stern, demanding, unsympathetic, always just waiting to strike us down. And they're unwilling to follow such a hard and narrow way. So they bury or they hide their gifts along the way. Others think that what they have is their own and they can use it to live as they please. They think it's no one else's affair of how they live their lives, not even God's. But the truth is that inactive righteousness is as condemning as active wickedness. Idle service, not being faithful and serving with what you've been given, is as condemning as busy sin. Or sleepy concern, not caring, not listening, is as condemning as stimulating flesh. Indulging comfort where I want to be safe in my household, my family, is as condemning as assault and robbery. And being unprofitable as condemning as being evil. This, this servant, he was a fake religious Christian. Talking the talk, speaking the language. But they never loved the Lord. They were never repentant. They were never born again. That's why they didn't love the Lord to serve Him with all that they had. And He was sent in the darkness outside, the outer darkness. And we can think of the rich man. He said, Father Abraham, let Lazarus dip his finger in water and maybe one drop of that water can be on my tongue for this place is tormenting me. Eternity. No choice afterwards, except now at the cross. This master loved and entrusted his servants. And yet what he did discerned between the truth and the false. So today, whether you've been given one or two or five or more gifts rejoice for what God has placed in your life. For the more you use it, the more you live, the more life, the more strength. The call is be faithful in the few things and the Lord will put you responsible and in charge 
of much because he loves you. He loves me. Be like that little boy. If all you can do is hold up the music, you hold up that music and smile as the Lord uses you. Dear friend, the Bible assures us that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. My friend, because God loves you with a redeeming love, He gave you the most important gift, His Son, Jesus the Christ. Knowing God and receiving Jesus in your heart will give you eternal life. There is no other gift such as this grace. If you commit yourself to abide in Him, live focused on His will for you, You will flourish with gifts for His glory and your joy. Trust Him. Follow Him. Be obedient. Thanks for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at trinityefcboise.org or by phone at 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at the same time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.